You're listening to XOXO After Darkcast, in which three editors talk romance novels, sex, pop culture, relationships, writing. And did we mention sex? Yeah! From the ladies behind XOXOAfterDark.com, because the best conversations happen after dark. Hi, you've reached another episode of the XOXO After Dark Cast. <laughs> you sound like you're leaving a voicemail. <laughs> I know. Voicemail kids is a thing that we used to have to do before you just texted everybody. <laughs> I'm Abby. I have Kate here with me. We're having a little intimate uh, Dark Cast adieu today because our fearless co-conspirators, Lauren and Diana, are out and about. Um, I am very excited because we are going to have New York Times bestselling author Laura Griffin on the show to talk about her alpha crew series uh featuring sort of action adventure and uh, international goings on and uh of course very handsome navy seals of so, course yeah can't how do would without. she go on without handsome navy seals no why even bother picking a book up if it doesn't have a handsome <laughs> navy seal in it it is a truth universally acknowledged <laughs> Uh, but before that, I'll remind people, as always, to check out XOXOAfterDark.com, where we have all sorts of goodies. We have a Chrisley Cole sweepstakes running right now, which I think is still going to be up when this airs. Uh, so you can win a prize pack of princessy prizes, but it's the princess of hell. So they have a little edge to them, including... Um, a uh, funky crown so you know that's it's cool. almost yeah now it's almost halloween so hey it might come in handy absolutely and uh today we have actually a really interesting guest post from an avon impulse author tracy livesey or livesey i'm not sure how to pronounce it um, i don't know sorry but uh she writes about how she left uh criminal defense for an even harder job that of romance writer that okay it cannot be harder to write books than it can be to <laughs> defend criminals apparently there's a lot of crossover so mm. you should come on over and read that Alrighty. Uh, so we have all sorts of good stuff and uh, without further ado we'll jump into it so when Kate and I were talking about how we were going to have Laura on and her new series mm-hmm. we were like what should we talk about first and it turns out that we uh, hit upon a movie that we both uh, have seen and loved that's a couple years old now yeah must be because I think it isn't even on HBO anymore even though while it was I watched it like seven times yes and it was on all the time and every time it came on I would watch it we are talking about Spy starring the incredibly funny Melissa McCarthy and the surprisingly funny pretty one what's her name um Rose Byrne Rose Byrne yes Yes. Every time I see her, I'm like, she can't possibly be funny because she's pretty. I know. But she is funny. I can't decide if I'm upset by that. <laughs> I'm into it. Okay. I'm yes. glad that she doesn't take herself so seriously. Yes. Um, but when Abby and I first talked about this movie, when we first both saw it, it was within the context of this movie. W- the, okay, really quick. The connection between these two topics is that Laura Griffin's books have spies in them. So, yeah, well, sort of. They sort have of. various... Um, various secret government uh, ops. So okay. maybe not CIA people per se, although a couple of them do. Right. But they're certainly doing undercover stuff, which and I think is close enough. Spy ha- does contain a love plot. So, you know, you've yeah. got that. But the thing totally. that, that really jumped out to us is that the movie was, we think, wrongfully advertised. Oh, yeah. Because it seemed as though it were just it was just nonstop Melissa McCarthy getting hit by a car mm. or, like, falling out of a window. It was, it looked like a series, frankly, it looked like a series of fat jokes. Right. Uh, because, and you may or may not remember, but the thing that they kept, the clip they kept putting the ads was her riding a Vespa through wet concrete. I don't remember that And it part. was just like... Was that even in the final movie? It was in the final movie. I don't even remember um, that part. But it was sort of... It just looked dumb and slapsticky and mm-hmm. like it didn't really look like she was in on the joke kind right. of, you know, it just... But then in actuality in the movie, she's deeply in it's on the joke. It's freaking amazing. And so funny and self-aware and yeah. well-written. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't her husband write this? I is this that team? I am not sure if, her, if she wrote this with her husband, uh, Ben Falcone. Um, I think you're right. I don't know. But uh, but we have the internet. Talk about the movie while I go to the internet. Well, so the premise of the movie is Melissa McCarthy works at the CIA, and she is like an inside the CIA, per- CIA person. She works like on a headset for yeah. a very dapper, handsome, um, arrogant Jude agent Law. who is Jude Law. And she just helps him out. She's secretly in love with him. And then he gets in danger, and she has to go save him. And she does it by using all of her tips and tricks as a CIA agent. And it's got that wonderful British lady from Call the Midwife in it. Right, who I don't know but what she her is, name is also, but she's great. They also play her kind of like frumpy friend. Frumpy, mm-hmm. smart, inside yes. friend. 
And one of the things I liked right away was that even from the beginning, it wasn't like usually with these, it's, but I'm just a desk clerk. I don't know anything about this, whatever. And from the beginning, she's like, I am fully qualified. Like I trained as an agent. You have to do the things. They just stuck me on a desk. Yeah. And I'm so good at this and like smart. Anyway, so she gets in over her head in a series of ever escalating escapades. Not written by her husband. Written by Paul Feig of of Bridesmaids. You know what? I thought Paul Feig was her husband. No. No. Two different men? Yes. uh, Ben Falcone is someone different and they wrote Tammy together. Oh, which was. Not so much. uh, Did you watch? I I did watch it. I didn't love it i liked everything about or i liked a lot about it except for the kankles joke i did not see i so. didn't care for the kankles joke but then it ended up being important to the story <laughs> oh well good yeah like they were the kankles were organic right no first i was like this is offensive and then it actually ended up being relevant to the plot and i was like oh okay i see what you did there yeah. still don't like it yeah um but I thought this movie was really clever and smart mm-hmm. and funny in a like in a way that doesn't put women down, which is yep. kind of now that you say he's the guy from Bridesmaids, it makes a lot of sense because yeah. although there's a lot of female specific humor mm-hmm. in that, the women are in on the joke and laughing at yeah. themselves. I think I preferred this to Bridesmaids, which I also enjoyed. I liked Bridesmaids. There are parts of Bridesmaids that I fast forward through. I don't do scatology, so that middle that bit part is didn't tough bother me. for me, even though. Um, my Rudolph is very funny. Mm-hmm. But, she was very funny. Um, but in general, I yeah, I enjoyed Bridesmaid a lot, Bridesmaids a lot, but mm-hmm. um, it was sort of patchier. And this one, it just I can just watch straight a, a through. It's, it's really all of a piece. And I love too that um, to get on my body positivity kick uh, when she she gets abroad. Melissa McCarthy goes abroad, and she's having to like chase down these. Uh, you know, she's trying to find her, her... I think they're called bad guys. Her eight, her... Yes, and bad guys. <laughs> she's trying to chase the bad guys. Evade the bad guys and find her uh, her partner, dude. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, like, set in casinos and sort of the upper echelons of things. So she has to dress up. And she's... Uh, she just works it. And she's, like, sexy and attractive and... and yeah. And it's um, not funny. It's not a joke. It's not, oh, ha, ha, how could this middle-aged, you know, mm-hmm. dumpy lady ever be appealing? Mm-hmm. Um, she just sort of owns it. And she's like, of course, I'm great. And Which it's, is kind of what I like about Melissa McCarthy anyway. Because true. in Bridesmaids, to talk about that movie again, mm-hmm. um, you kind of think her character is one thing and not very self-aware. and But she's very confident sexually in a way that I find appealing <laughs> and funny. And then they reward her character with true love in the form of an air marshal. That's true. Also with a dozen golden retriever puppies. Right. She may have overcommitted on the puppies. <laughs> That's true. But like I just love her. I think she's so delightful and yeah. funny. I Yeah. She just feels like she is always living her best and purest self. Right. Like, I truly believe that if you showed up in her back patio and she came out with iced tea and you sat down you would have the same experience right which you know and if anybody listening knows otherwise do not tell us please let some things remain do not ruin melissa mccarthy first we love her (laughs) and if melissa mccarthy is listening please come hang out with us we will pay for the iced tea we totally will um she also designs her own clothes oh that's right she has a line now she has a line and I know that, so there are a couple of fashion blog. there's one fashion mm-hmm. blogger that I follow, there are two of them, but it's one site, Tom and Lorenzo, who I really like, they have a podcast now. Yes, they are on our um, podcast network, I think. Oh, are they? Mm-hmm. Um, and They might be doing a little bit better than we are. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> uh, but I love them, and, and I've followed them for years, and I usually, I'll, I would say 90% of the time I agree with their assessments. But they take issue with the clothes that Melissa McCarthy designs for herself, mm. which I think is a is an interesting conundrum because I think it is harder for bigger women to find red carpet styles. Yes. But she exerts control over that space. Mm-hmm. So if that's how she feels most comfortable and beautiful, then I I don't think you should be impugning her work. You know? I You know what? I agree and disagree because, to be honest, I often feel that the cuts she chooses for herself are not... Um, as flattering as they could be. Like, I think that but she... But maybe she's not about your male gaze, Gabby. No. Gabby. <laughs> Gabby has a total male gaze. She's really <laughs> kind of bought into the internalized misogyny. Right. <laughs> um, uh, though my alter ego is actually Libby Zindel, so... Who's Libby Zindel? Oh, it's a long story. It's, a, it's not a long story, but it's not an interesting enough okay. story to explain here. Never mind. Um, <laughs> but uh, 
I yes, it is. She should wear whatever the heck she wants and feels her best in mm-hmm. because that ultimately is always when you look great. Yeah. Um, but I think that it is easy, especially. I feel like fat fashion, mm-hmm. frankly, to be call a spade a spade, is a pretty new arm of fashion of in fashion. general. And so I feel like if you are in your teens and 20s coming up now, there are more resources for you to think about and to see online, mm. you know, what does it look like if okay. this is, if I'm wearing a line versus a, you know, bubble skirt versus a bodycon versus now, whatever. No one should wear a bubble skirt. No, I also agree I, with that. Thin, fat, doesn't matter. Don't wear bubble skirts. But since I wear like one silhouette myself, I was like, <laughs> I don't know any more words. <laughs> <laughs> um, but at any rate, there's so there's lots of bloggers in that space that are out there kind of showing all the things. And there are more and more designers who are starting to recognize that there are a bunch of larger women with a lot, a of, lot money of money that they would like to spend on stuff that isn't polyester moo-moos. Yeah. Um, if you want a polyester moo-moo, uh, Lauren is a big fan of a moo-moo, although she I don't think she moo-moo. would wear the polyester. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so I don't want to knock a moo-moo either. But um, I think if you're a little bit older mm-hmm. and... Melissa McCarthy's probably my age, actually, ish. Um, and you came up with nothing but rules of you should always wear black. You can't wear, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, you can't wear stripes. You shouldn't do this. You and everything was like big and boxy because mm-hmm. they're like, let's pretend you don't have a body because it is shameful. So wear this large tunic and stirrup pants. So you're thinking it's a product of age. So I think a little bit. It may be internally internalizing those rules Uh for so long which then really were pretty false and you know made things worse and not better yeah if you know where clothing was designed just to like let's just hide you and look only at your head and pretend (laughs) that there's nothing below this and it can be hard to then feel comfortable you know, it's almost like mm-hmm. a fashion dysmorphia. Right, right. Um, I would. I, I don't would know. Pay... I'm projecting all of this onto Melissa well, McCarthy, who might be like, "Look, this is what I like." So shut up. To circle back to the, I would have iced tea with her. I yeah. would pay good money to hear her talk more about what the experience mm-hmm. of designing her own clothes is like, like what branching out into that realm is like. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, basically, this is just a Melissa McCarthy stand podcast right. now. <laughs> yeah, apparently it is, but that's cool. We're down with it. I wonder if. Um, and also, she's such a physical comedian yeah. that uh, she might just be super in touch with her body and just loves everything about it. And um, Tom and Lorenzo and I can sit in the corner with our anxieties and uh, go suck eggs. Yeah. Yeah. Judgments. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but we got off topic because we were talking about explosions and chasing bad guys and things Right. Like and that. spies and competence and stuff. But I do like, there's been like a whole... Um, it's. I don't think it was kicked off by Spy, though I wish it were. Uh, but the. I feel like there was a new wave of kick-ass women, you know, spy types. You've got Charlize Theron, who just did that, oh, that Atomic, Atomic Blonde. Blonde. That looks you scary. You have the women in all the Avengers slash Justice Leagues, you know, Wonder Woman. Right. Is this the rise of the new tough lady spy? Well, um, what about... Charlize Theron. What was that movie where she had like a fake arm or something? Oh and yeah, Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, yeah, never. She saw was it. awesome in that. Yeah, I, I heard amazing things from everyone yeah, who saw it. That's just, not my. Typically, that is not my kind it is of not, movie. This is not my genre at all. But I would recommend some Hangover Day, maybe. Yeah. You know, a day when you're like, I'm just, I don't. There's no reading, no thinking. I'm just. I want to sit here with my cup of tea or what have you, and <laughs> Gatorade. Um, not do a lot. Yeah, <laughs> because. I was I wasn't dying to go see it. Like mm-hmm. I've seen the original Mad Maxes and was like, oh, I have okay, also, fine. I've not seen it. You know. Do you need to see the original Mad Max? No, I don't think so. Um, I, I think there are things in there for the person who has, mm-hmm. but you, it's perfectly understandable. And I just it like, is its why own thing. would I want to spend time in a arid wasteland? Uh, it's surprisingly great looking. Really? Uh, yeah, the wasteland part is is almost as though you had simply painted a grayish backdrop upon which the pyrotechnics could occur. Oh, okay. There's a lot of open flame. Ah, yeah. Again, <laughs> it's not my jam. It's not... It's worth a look. Because... And I was sort of like, yeah, okay. And then I went and really enjoyed it. And But what surprised me was being sitting home one day... Because um, I went because Gordon really wanted to go. And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, sure. And then I was like, oh, that was good. But it was like on cable and I'm flipping by and suddenly I was like, huh, I'm watching this again. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
I'm like, there's a little bit at the beginning you can kind of skip. Yeah. <laughs> Weirdly, the Tom Hardy stuff at the beginning you can kind of skip. Oh, I like him. Yeah, he's good too. Mm-hmm. But it's another Tom Hardy role where they cover up his whole face. Yeah. That, why do they do why that? Why does to him? Tom Hardy hate his face? Forget about fashion. I don't know. I don't know. I feel bad for him. Why though. does he have face dysmorphia? Come back to us, Tom Hardy. We should tell him that his face is nice. I'm sure he's never heard it before. All right. I bet Melissa McCarthy has his number when she comes for his team. We'll, we'll go we'll ahead just and say, we we'll should text Tom Hardy. Yeah, yeah, let's text Tom Hardy. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yes, that was that was very cool, and uh, I uh, feel that there were a lot of feminist threads in that movie. Well, as I'm well. always a fan of feminist threads. I do. Well, that's the Kate bait. <laughs> <laughs> well, should we give Laura a call and see what she has to say about Let's the matter? Do she actually will probably be much more informed about actual uh, spycraft and adventure craft and... and all of that good stuff? Yeah. So we will be right back talking to Laura Griffin. Stick stick around. You're listening to XOXO After Darkcast. Laura, thanks so much for being with us. Hi, thanks for inviting me. We are very excited to talk with you about one of your series. Uh, there are a couple out now. You've got you've got many irons in the fire, but <laughs> specifically, uh, we are going to talk to you about your Alpha Crew series because you have a new uh, a new book that's just out, a new ebook, Cover of Night, and it is part of a series that is different from your. Uh, tracer series that readers might already know if they're already familiar with you. That's right. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about what's the Alpha Crew? How is it different from the Tracers, and what okay. can people expect out of this series? Well, I had written um, a number of Tracers books with a SEAL hero in it, and so I did a lot of research on SEALs, interviewed some, and it, it was so much fun to write about them. I mean, these guys are just really amazing. They just always go for a challenge, and there's just nothing impossible to them. So they've been fun to write about in my Tracer series, and then I thought it would be fun to have a whole series devoted to a team of SEALs. And so this is an elite, ultra-elite team of SEALs, so they're kind of an elite group within an already elite community of, mm-hmm. of uh, special ops guys. So um, they're called Alpha Crew, and there's about half a dozen um, that I've been focusing on in the story. So this is um, the second guy. His name is Ethan Dunn, and he's the hero of this one, Cover of Night. It's really one of the things I love about all your work, but uh, this one especially because I got the sneak peek because I know you. <laughs> um, uh, Laura always has great openings of her book. Do you want to um, tell people a little bit about you know where we find ourselves when we start okay. Cover of Night? Yeah, well, um, the heroine is Carly Bonham, and she is a magazine writer from California. She's writing for Pacifica Magazine in California. And she's been assigned to go cover, do a feature story about the new American ambassador to Thailand. So she goes to this luxurious tropical resort, and she's going to get some R&R, and she's going to do this assignment. And um, in the middle of her vacation or her um, assignment there, uh, the resort is stormed by terrorists and they take the ambassador and his daughter hostage. And so um, Carly finds a way to escape um, the attack, and she goes off into the jungle and manages to get an SOS call out. Um, And so then there is a SEAL team, Alpha Crew, is sent in um, on a covert rescue mission. And so that's kind of the the setting, how the story kicks off, is this Mm -hmm. covert rescue mission happening on this tropical island. You do such a great job of just the, um, it read like an action movie to me, I felt like. when I mean, it really puts you there. And I love the contrast, because one of the things I, I like about uh, your pairings in the Alpha Crew, you have, as you said, this elite team of, of like super soldiers, basically, who um, are super mission focused and they can do anything. And then you pair them with these heroines who are civilians and often are just like, starting out where they just have sort of normal lives or, you know, uh, Carly's there thinking, great, I'm, you know, going to try and and boost my career and write this great profile, but I'm lying on a beach in Thailand for a week and what could be better? And they have to find sort of hidden cores of strength in them that kind of lift them up to the SEAL level as the SEAL is sort of finding more heart. Uh, I just love that 
contrast and um, is that challenging for you to write? Is that sort of where you start from when you think about creating a new couple? Or Yeah, I like, I, I like the contrast because to me it comes naturally. I mean, I, I personally would relate more to Carly. I started out as a, as a magazine reporter and a newspaper reporter, so I kind of have done her job and I'm picturing her on this beach, you know, drinking daiquiris and getting her story and, you know, having this kind of vacation thrown in. And then all of a sudden everything turns upside down and then here come these trained seals to, you know, rescue um, the situation. Um, and so you've got the contrast between these super duper trained guys that can kind of just do any physical feat and this kind of civilian who's just kind of coming at it from that perspective and she's she's doing everything she can in the situation but she's not trained at all. And so they have different viewpoints on what to do, how to approach things. Um, but I, I relate to that that character because that's how I would feel in such a situation with no training, mm-hmm. you know, all the normal fears you would have of helicopters and bullets and everything. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's kind of fun to kind of put yourself in those shoes. Yeah. I wish I could live up to Carly, but my normal fears <laughs> would include she ran into the jungle and I'm like, so many bugs, <laughs> bugs and snakes. Dive under the nearest rock. Spiders. I'm like, I don't know. But you're, you're running into the arms of a well-trained, handsome man. That's yes, true. That, that is, part too. That is inspiring. Um, I know that that we have talked on our podcast before, uh, Kate, who is sometimes here but couldn't be with us today, but since she's from uh, San Diego, oh. talked about getting to um, go to Coronado and sort of just hoping to hoping to get to the beach around PT time because mm-hmm. the the jogging was very attractive. Oh yes, well I've been to Coronado and I've seen the the places where they do their training and everything, and it's mm-hmm. just so intense. I mean. I mean, when I was there, I, I just barely wanted to get my feet wet because the water is very cold. And these mm-hmm. guys are out there, you know, with their boats and they're, you know, doing all this grueling training. Um, you know, so they just, the, the, the type of training they go through is just really intense. And, uh, you know, all in preparation for the, the kind of stuff they do, um, the missions they take on. I mean, just nothing is impossible, which is kind of fascinating to me from a writing perspective. You know, just no mission is too hard. Um, that kind of attitude. Yeah. Now, what kind of um, what kind of up close research were you? I mean, you talked about being out there. What kind of research were you able to do, or what kind of access could you um, get? I've, I've been on a couple tours where I've gotten to. Um, there's a there's a writers group that does um, romance writers of America, and they have a subgroup that does suspense writing. And I've had a couple of tours where they've you know we've gotten to interview seals and you know like the parachute jumpers, um, rescue rescue. Um, people, things like that. And then more recently, they had a conference out in California, and we went to Coronado, got to tour um, the base and kind of see the areas where they train and um, talk to some veteran SEALs, retired SEALs, um, see some some of the bars where they hang out, you know, just <laughs> kind of get a feel for the area. Um, and I've actually used, um, I have a fictional bar that I use in Story to Story in the Alpha Crew series where they kind of congregate. And mm-hmm. so it kind of is a backdrop for some of the the scenes in the book. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, in, in California is not the only place. There's also um, fields that train on the East Coast as well. But mm-hmm. um, I decided to set this particular series in the Southern California area. So yeah, that's awesome. We wanted to make sure that they could be shirtless as much as was appropriate. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, how would you describe the difference between your Alpha Crew series and your Tracer series as far as a reading experience? Well, um, I think Alpha Crew, the books are a little bit shorter. They're more just action-focused. Um, the Tracer series um, has more of a forensic twist to it. Mm-hmm. Um, the series centers on a forensics lab, so you've got all these different experts, forensic anthropologists, you know, ballistics experts, fingerprint experts, DNA experts. And so it kind of has a little bit more of a... Um, kind of a little bit more of a law enforcement and forensic slant, whereas the Alpha Crew series, because it's based on the SEAL teams, mm-hmm. it's really more kind of heart-pounding action, moment to moment. So, um, I mean, they're both fun for different reasons, but um, I think the Alpha Crew series is a little bit more kind of action-adventure. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've gone to some exotic locations for some of the stories, you know, the Philippines, Thailand, you know, they're doing yeah. all these kind of, they're jumping out of airplanes and things like that. Um, and then the the Tracer series, um, it does jump around, but mostly it's focused in the, in America, and um, it focuses on this uh, lab in Texas. So it's got a lot of Texas settings in that. Yeah. So. Yeah, I will say, and I think maybe it has to do with the 
the physicality of your your heroes and the sort of action adventure thing that while um, all of your books are are sexy and you always write great love scenes, um, I think the the alpha crew kind of intensity allows also for a more like um, I don't know it inspires more sort of rip your clothes off uh, <laughs> sex scenes as well. So I think yes. it's a good... Well, it's that kind of the high adrenaline situations, yeah. you know? Yes. yes. That's part of the fun of the series that I like. Um, the Tracer series is really... What I love about that is you get a little bit more time to kind of really develop the relationship. It's a little more kind of in-depth characters. Because, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's just a longer read. It's, yep. it's you know, there's more time to develop it. But um, I, I like the kind of heart-pounding kind of feel of the of the Alpha Crew, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice to have both choices. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, Laura, you mentioned that this is actually the second Alpha Crew book. Uh, so would you tell us a little bit about the first book in the series? And um, do people need to read them in order? Is that, you know, important or, or can they be read in any order? Um, the first book in the series was At the Edge, and that book was a little bit unusual. It was released as a serial, so mm-hmm. part one came out, and then a couple weeks later, part two came out. But it's all one romance, it's all one couple, it's all one mystery story, um, At the Edge, followed by Edge of Surrender. And those have been bundled together now in one volume mm-hmm. called uh, Alpha Crew, The Mission Begins. So readers like who want to read it all in one place can read Alpha Crew, The Mission Begins. Mm-hmm. That's part one of the series. This is the second um, hero that I'm featuring, and it's Ethan Dunn, and his book is Cover of Night. So it's the second hero, the second romantic couple. Um, mm-hmm. And this one is all one volume. There's no cliffhanger in the middle. Um, some readers didn't like the cliffhanger. They wrote to tell me, no, yeah. I don't like the cliffhanger. So yeah. there's no cliffhanger in this one. Yeah, but it, you don't have to read the stories in order. They Each kind of story focuses on a different mission. Mm-hmm. So you can start with Ethan's story, you can start with Ryan's story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of do that in all my series. I think it's fine to jump around because yeah. each kind of book is its own self-contained, you know, yeah. couple and everything. So you don't have to read in order. Yeah. And you'll see, I mean, I think most romance readers are used to, sometimes you can tell, oh, this is clearly someone making a cameo and they yeah. have another book somewhere, mm-hmm. but it's you, there's never bits of information that you need from from That's a right. previous yeah, book. Yeah, you can definitely catch up and you'll see overlapping characters, you know, in all the stories, but... You know, you, you don't have to start in a certain place to yeah. be able to catch on. Yes. And readers, don't email Laura anymore. It wasn't her idea to do the serial. We were trying something. It didn't work. We're not going to do it again. We're sorry. Well, people have very strong it's, feelings about cliffhangers. I had no idea. I know. Well, I'd never written one before. Right. And we were like, why don't we try this? Because there was some other stuff, especially in ebook. One of the fun uh-huh. things is you can explore with different formats and deliveries and stuff. And we thought, let's try that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we tried it and now we're not doing that. So yes, the mission begins and cover of night are both complete stories in their own right. That's right. Um, so Laura, actually, uh, I actually, well, I will tell you, we'll probably hear from Laura again in a couple of months because you do have another Tracers novel coming up. Yay. uh, Touch of Red. And um, that's coming out, I believe, on November... Uh, October 31st. October 31st. Halloween. Yes. Yep. Perfect. Yes. Um, so we will have you on a couple... It'll actually be a couple of weeks after that's on sale, so we'll be able to hear how things okay. went. And uh, do you want to give uh, people just a hint about yes. what that book is about? I am so excited about this one. Um, this this book is called Touch of Red, and it's about um, a character who's been in several other Tracers books. His name is Sean Byrne. And... I have just really kind of fallen in love with him. Mm-hmm. He, he's kind of grown from the first book in which he appeared into now. Um, and this is his love story. He's with Brooke Porter, who is a trace evidence expert at the Delphi Center. And he's, um, Sean is a homicide cop, and they're both um, working on the same um, homicide case. And that's how they kind of cross paths. And, um, you know, they're working the case, and they're falling in love at the same time. And, um you know, I just really liked writing these two. They were um, a really fun couple to write. Uh, they're very different. And so it's been a fun story, and I can't wait for for yeah. people to read it. <laughs> yes, I think they're going to love it. And we'll talk more about that um, uh, in a future podcast episode. But now, Laura, it is time for True Confessions. Oh, no. Yes. We actually, um, we always ask these of our guests at the end of our <laughs> interviews. And I think we've changed them up since you were here last. Okay. So this is going to be a fresh batch for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we decided to grow ourselves up a little bit, and I like them. They've been producing some interesting answers. So, okay. how do you prepare yourself to be creative? What's Ooh. your ritual if you have one? 
Well, I kind of do have one. Um, I like to go outside and get some exercise. I like to jog or walk. Um, I have some hills by my house in Austin where I live, and I just like to get outdoors and kind of get into nature and listen to music. Um, and when I'm writing, I have a playlist that kind of reflects some of the books I'm writing, you know, whatever story I'm into at the time. So I listen to my music, I get outside, and that's kind of how I get started. That's uh, it, I'm distressed at how many really successful writers are like, well, I go get some exercise, and I'm like, oh. I guess, well, but it does make sense. That doesn't apply to editors, I guess. I don't know. Austin's so pretty, too. I feel like you have to it is. go out. It is. We have a lot of sunshine here. It so. does seem really beautiful. Diana is, is an Austin familiar with Austin, so I'm always wondering if, you know, uh, she she could do the Tracer's walking tour, probably. I probably should the next time I go. Oh, that would be fun. We'll hook you up. Yes. Um, what place do you find most conducive to working? Um, I love my office because I'm surrounded by all my books. I just, I'm just a book kind of a fiend, and I just have bookshelves and bookshelves and bookshelves. And half of them are fiction, my favorite keepers, but half of them are research books. So I read about forensics and, you know, anthropology and SEALs and cops and FBI stuff. And so um, I just kind of love to be surrounded by all that. Um, my second favorite place to write is the coffee shop because <laughs> something about the energy of people coming and going and all the noise, mm-hmm. it kind of makes me focus. I don't know how that makes sense, but it's almost like the more noise around me, the more I'm able to focus. Yeah. So that's another good spot. Well, that leads into one of our questions. How do you take your coffee? Oh, uh, very strong and with some cream. <laughs> yes. You need, need the high test no half, version. No for me. No, no. <laughs> uh, and what's your go-to snack? Oh, you know, M and M's. I just, I'm afraid to admit that, but yes, I I kind of keep a chocolate stash nearby. I don't know why. This is I a judgment free zone. Have to reach for that every now and then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, chocolate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's I, it's a classic. I wish I could say something healthy like, "Well, I have a banana every morning," but no. Chocolate. You've been healthy <laughs> enough, man. Have your cho- chocolate. You've earned it. Who is your favorite collaborator? Ooh, collaborator. Well, I do um, a suspense series with Allison Brennan, mm-hmm. and we've been working together for several years now, and it's been really good. We we kind of have a kind of a system. We we work well together. Um, she's super busy, and I'm super busy, so we kind of get together, touch base when we can, and it just seems to work. So we've mm-hmm. we've had a good collaboration. Yeah, and remind um, me the name of that series because that's I'm... the Moreno and Hart series, yes. and it's about a PI team in Southern California. Mm-hmm. So that's fun. Yeah. Uh, what do you do most often to procrastinate? To procrastinate. Oh, <laughs> surf the Internet. That's terrible. But I get distracted on Twitter. I start reading news articles. And I'll start out thinking I'm researching something. <laughs> but then I get on all these rabbit trails. And then I'm not researching anything. I'm just like, you know, previews of movies coming out. I mean, it's terrible. So yeah, I, yeah. when I really need to concentrate, I'm really on deadline. I just have to stay away from the internet. Right. Time to time to stay put away. one of those yes. um, blockers yes. on your on your system. Uh, what's your dream project? Something that you haven't written yet, but might want to? Is there something that you're like someday, someday I'll write that book? Yes, I'm. I have some ideas in mind for a continuing character from where I would write the same um, character through a series of mm-hmm. books instead of having new characters in each book. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I think one day I will do it, but I just haven't, you know, I've been so, um, had my hands full with the Tracer series, and then I've got a new yeah. series coming out soon um, based on a different set of characters, and so I've just kind of had my hands full. But I think one day I will sit down and write the yeah. continuing character I've been thinking about. So. Oh, good. But it's true. We keep demanding books from you, so we don't actually give you time to just... That's not a bad problem. Yeah, I know. Um, what have you learned from failure? To be tenacious, to keep trying, especially in this business. You know, writing, anyone who wants to be a professional writer and, and publish a book, I mean, you just have to be patient. You have to keep going. You have to develop a thick skin because there's always going to be people who criticize what you're doing and don't like what you write and don't like your story or don't like your characters. You're always going to have critics. And so you just have to develop a thick skin and keep going. And if you can do that, you know, you just, you just have to keep, you just have to keep at it. You have to believe in yourself and keep going. Did your journalistic training uh, serve you well in developing that thick skin? It did. And it also uh, taught me a lot about deadlines because you can make, 
you can write the most amazing, compelling news article in the world, but if you turn it in 24 hours late, it will never see the light of day. So timing is, means everything in, in news. And so um, deadlines are important. You have to plan ahead. You have to get your stuff in on time. You have to, you have to really um, be, be on deadline and be reliable or else, you know, you're failing at your job. So um, that was some of the best training I got as a news reporter. Yeah. It's definitely appreciated by everybody in your publishing company <laughs> because, uh, you know, Laura Griffin does not miss a deadline and it's usually her, you know, uh, as as her flaky editor, I was always like, "Oh God, yeah, you did turn that in." Like, I'm so sorry, <laughs> I'm doing it right it now. <laughs> yes, no, you you are a deadline fanatic. It's amazing. What is your best trick for overcoming a creative block? Hmm. Well, I think sometimes when I'm in a kind of in a stuck place, I just need to get out there and get around people. Um, so if I'm having trouble, kind of coming up with the next the next Tracer story or the next, you know, plot for the next novel, the next character that I want to write about. I get out there and interview people. And when you interview people, you just get so many ideas because they have all these stories. They have all these anecdotes. Mm-hmm. Um, for the new series coming out, I, um, I'm doing a, a series about these, this group of, of elite security experts. They're like bodyguards. Mm-hmm. And so I got out there and I interviewed the Secret Service agent and Ooh. got to hear all of his stories and oh, anecdotes wow. about the job. And it was just so inspiring. I mean, I, I walked away so filled with ideas, you know, for, for different plots and books and people. Um, and so I think any time when I'm in a lull, getting out there interviewing people is always, always helps. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. And finally, we'll wrap up with uh, an XOXO classic, really. Uh, what is your favorite romantic book? Ooh, that's a good one. I, you know, I'm kind of old-fashioned. Some of my favorites are some of the old ones, like, mm-hmm. you know, Pride and Prejudice, you know, I, you know, yep. just some of the old classics, yep. I guess. That's a popular yeah. answer, and there's ain't, no, ain't <laughs> nothing wrong with that, you mm-hmm. know. It's, it's a classic for a reason. All right, well... Laura, thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. I will remind fans that Cover of Night is out now in E. It is uh, available wherever ebooks are sold. You can also get Alpha Crew The Mission Begins if you want to um, be an Alpha Crew completist. And uh, uh, her Tracer series, of course, is available in both print and E, and I think you'll like those as well. Look out for Touch of Red coming on Halloween. So, thank Laura, you. thanks so much. You're listening to XOXO After Darkcast. All right, we're back. Uh, you can see why I love Laura so much. She's great. And uh, she has, like, real-world knowledge yeah. of how the government works. Well, she's done actual which, research. Yes, and was, a, and, and was a reporter. Spy with Melissa McCarthy. I know. Well, what, TV is not real? TV is <laughs> not real. real. Oh, no, I've made some terrible mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are going to wrap up with a game, as we always do. And it's been a while since we played Shag, Mary Kill. And in honor of not, we did Spies at the Front mm-hmm. for the uh, great heroes of our action adventure romance uh, books, writers. Sorry, brain turned off. Um, and to honor our reporter heroine from Cover of Night, we are going to play Shag Mary Kill with reporters. Now, I have assembled some fictional selections. And uh, I believe Kate maybe some, some real, real world ones. ones. Yeah, we've also invited producer Pat to join us on the mic to fill up the the round a little bit. Um, but we don't have a computer in here, so we'll have to just hope that you've seen what people look like. <laughs> <laughs> um, shall I start out? Go ahead. Okay, we were talking when we were like, hmm, what kind of films are there about reporters? One of the recent ones that we'd seen and enjoyed was Spotlight. Pat, did you see Spotlight? Pretty harrowing. Did you that one? Spotlight. No, I don't. That was the one from the. It was the Boston Globe reporters who busted the Catholic Church for um, uh, covering up the pedophile accusations in Boston. In yeah. well, for years and years. Pretty brutal. It was not not a light watch. No, no, but a, a very good movie. And they uh, nailed '90s fashion. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, and a lot of like really unflattering pants for Rachel. What's her name? Mm, McAdams. Yes. Yeah, I believed that every one of those actors was working on a reporter's budget. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I assembled uh, a selection of that cast, the Silver Fox edition of the Spotlight actors. Okay. Uh, so I chose the older older roles. Mm-hmm. So Shag Mary Kill. Your options are Michael Keaton, who was playing. Robbie Robertson, mm-hmm. um, Liev Schreiber, Liev mm-hmm. Schreiber, who mm-hmm. came in as the new um, 
editor yeah the head editor and John Slattery uh, Silver Fox Mm. of My Heart you may know him more as Roger from Mad Men and he was playing Ben Bradley Jr. in this so I am gonna go with uh, Kill Michael Keaton oh poor Michael I know but he doesn't look like he used to (laughs) aging is real Um, Mary Leave Shriver and Shag Roger Sterling (laughs) <laughs> Who will always be Roger Sterling in always. your eyes? Yes. <laughs> I think I... Hmm, I think I might um, marry John Slattery. Okay. Because I want him with me always. <laughs> uh, shag... Yeah, maybe Shag Liv Schreiber and, and gotta kill poor Michael Keaton. Poor Michael Keaton. I didn't know that I felt that way about Michael Keaton. They was, it was really a toss-up. And honestly, on a Liv beard day, when it's a little bushier, I might flip the other way. Well, but Michael Keaton's hair is like not doing things for There me. isn't any in there that. There really isn't he just, any, He's yeah. just shaved it. He's just buzzed yeah, it way down. That's not for me. That's not my thing. Well, that's the thing. I understand. Pat, what do you think? Do you have an opinion, Pat? You know these actors, if uh, not their roles. Right, because I haven't seen the movie. But the actors? Yes, yeah. you can go by actor. Well, then I have to say you have to marry Michael Keaton because he was Batman. Uh-huh. And that would be really cool. <laughs> okay. <for him. laughs> That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Fair. Um, I guess I would shag John Slattery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And kill uh, Liev Schreiber. Fair uh, enough. No love for yeah. Liev. Well, I don't know. I watch Ray Donovan. Oh, and yeah. And sometimes it's just like, mm-hmm. you get what he wants, you, t- you know, and it's just like, right. no, no, that's just kill him. Plus, he was like saber tooth or something, right. right? And that's another thing. He was saber tooth, right? And, and I, I'm a big Wolverine fan. Oh, well, so oh there you okay. Go. Well, th- I have no idea then what you guys are you talking gotta, about. Gotta kill X Men. Yes. Ah, okay. <laughs> um, All right, you do one, Kate. So my first round is real life newscasters, which are kind of like reporters, right? Sure. Um, okay, Tom Brokaw, mm-hmm. Walter Cronkite, mm. and Peter Jennings. Oh, I think. I think I married Peter Jennings. He's endearing. Yeah. Well, he was. R.I.P. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I can still remember him uh, on uh, 9-11. Oh, really? That, yeah. I'm too young for that. I know. Sorry. No, I'm sad I for mean, a variety of reasons. I mean, I was alive during 9-11, but we, I don't remember <laughs> watching yeah. the nightly news. Yeah. No, he was He was great. Yeah, Mary Peter Jennings. Um, I... I'm not shagging Walter Cronkite. <laughs> I'll shag Tom Brokaw. Walter Cronkite, thank you for everything you've done for the country, and I'm sorry I'm killing you. I, too, felt like I should kill Walter Cronkite, <laughs> although I do appreciate his service. They cast them differently back then. Yeah, they did. Uh, sorry, Walter. Um, and then I think marry Tom Brokaw and shag Peter Jennings. Mm-hmm. Tom Brokaw is just a more familiar face to me. Yes, that's true. And Peter Jennings is a Canadian. Oh, well. You have that wild Canadian sex. <laughs> they are known for that. <laughs> Do you have thought? Do you have newscaster opinions, Pat? Um, who it was? Peter Jennings, mm-hmm. Walter Cronkite, Walter Cronkite, and Tom Brokaw. So I guess you would have to marry Peter Jennings. Yeah, I guess um, kill Walter Cronkite <laughs> and shag um, Tom Brokaw. Yeah, <laughs> somewhere yeah. Tom Brokaw it. is reveling in his newfound <laughs> shagability. <Yeah. laughs> okay, Abby. All right. Uh, for my next round, I went with old-timey reporters, by which I mean reporters from classic films. Okay. So your choices are Cary Grant from His Girl Friday Ooh. as the newspaper editor, mm-hmm. uh, Jimmy Stewart from The Philadelphia Story. Oh, I love him. Or Clark Gable from It Happened One Night. Oh, these are toughies. Right? These are toughies because I love them all. Oof. Um... I love Jimmy Stewart so much, so I'm going to go with Mary Jimmy Stewart. Mm-hmm. But then that leaves me with a choice of to kill Cary Grant or um, what's the other Clark one? Clark Gable. Clark Gable. Both of whom are like meaningfully handsome. Yeah. Um, and I'll remind our readers that Kate's very very favorite book in the world, <laughs> right? Is, yeah, was um, Calm with the Wind when yeah. I was when I was like a teenager. Um, but still, Cary Grant, I think you got to. Oh. Wow, I honestly don't know that I can make a decision. It's a true Sophie's this choice. This is a really, really <laughs> tough choice. This is to Kate Bate. Um, I would say, okay, I guess if I have to, I would shag Clark Gable kill Cary Grant. <gasps> Goodness. I feel very conflicted. Kate is turning kind of 
pink. I just this is, I hate this game now. This is a war within you her. You ruined it. Oh no! Oh no! It's all it's all for the good. I I I value what a tough choice that was. For you. <laughs> I still regret it. <laughs> I um I think I would. Yeah. Good luck. Let's see how you do. I'm gonna kill Clark Gable, baby. Whoa. Mustache, no bueno. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, no, and also, uh, but Vi- he's got a knowing twinkle. I know, but Vivian Lee said he smelled of onions. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, fair. No, so he's he's not he's never been in my pantheon. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I would marry Cary Grant because he just seems like so much fun to be. Although I suspect probably not a Archibald great Leach. I know, I know. Heart that story. Yeah, and um, shag Jimmy Stewart. Uh, mostly because I don't Shag think... Jimmy Stewart. That is a wild card to me. Uh, it is. Well, I would, you know, because I, it's the old, do you want it one off or do you want all the time? Mm. And also, I don't think I could live a full life with Jimmy Stewart with the uh, 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 and the stammer and listen, the, his, his vocal endearing. rhythms would exhaust me, I feel. Mm. I would grow too impatient. Well, maybe now I've and changed my mind. I'm maybe not upright enough to spend an entire lifetime with Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> and also, as I think we've discussed, I hate It's a Wonderful Life. Oh. Cause I am cold and dead. You're inside. so wrong. But let's hear what Pat yes. has to say. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, I don't know. That's a tough one. Right? <laughs> Abby's ruined the game. Yeah. Oh. This is how um, the game is supposed to work, people. Oh, uh, it was Cary Grant, Jimmy Stewart, and, and Clark, Clark Gable. Gable. Uh, I, I think yeah. I think Jimmy Stewart seems fun-loving <laughs> I and think, stable. Yes, I think marry Jimmy Stewart, Shaq. Um, Cary Grant. Cary Grant and Kill Clock Gable. Wait, I want to change my answer. Oh. oh. <laughs> are, you, are you doing away with poor Jimmy? I feel like you've made a very good point about the vocal rhythms. Oh, no, I've ruined Jimmy Stewart for you. No, he's not ruined. Okay, never mind. I'll just stick to my original choices. Yeah, no. You, you um, are pure of heart. We should have ended on that because now I feel like my second choices are not that great. Um, okay, so these are uh, reporters turned writers. Okay. Uh, Hunter S. Thompson, John Steinbeck, and Ernest Hemingway. Oh, those will all make terrible, terrible husbands. That's yeah, a hard choice. Yeah, I ruined choice. it in a different way. Yes, in a good different way. Um, yeah, uh, they're all yeah. deeply dysfunctional. Um, I think you kill Hunter S. Thompson Same. because, honestly, I feel like there's a chance that he might shoot you right. if you don't <laughs> shoot him. So he goes. Um, so it's Ernest or, I'm sorry, who was the... John Steinbeck. John Steinbeck or... I prefer John Steinbeck's writing, mm. but no. Mm. I know, but not... er, young Ernest Hemingway was a looker. Yes, he were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, we all know that picture. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so mean. And so, so mean. much fishing and probably camping and stuff. Uh. Yeah, very outdoorsy. Um, yeah, I don't think I'm fit enough. So we'll shag <laughs> Ernest. Because okay. I think probably I only have one night with Ernest is probably all I could take okay. <laughs> before my heart gives out. Um, and then I guess it means I marry John Steinbeck. I would kill Hunter S. Thompson, marry Ernest Hemingway, mm. and shag John Steinbeck. Yeah, I wonder if John's I don't think one time would be enough with Ernest, young Ernest Hemingway. That's true, that's true. So I wonder if John Steinbeck was any was any good in bed. I would have guess the scholars discussed. No, I I can't imagine. Yes, I know. Right? I don't know, but he, you know, he had Cannery Road. Did he have a lot of fish oil? He's a lot of vigor. Well, I don't know. I just I don't know. I. I don't know. I just don't see it as like a viable sexual option. I know, but now I have some more interneting to do just yes, to see. To I don't feel out. like I have a v- good visual picture of John Steinbeck. Fair enough. And I just picture Hunter S. Thompson as like really sweaty. Mm. Yeah. No, that's just that's just an AA meeting waiting. For <laughs> <me>. <laughs> Pat, any last words? Um, I have three female reporters. Can I? Can I? <laughs> yes. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Throw okay. your own hat in the ring. They're fictional though. Okay. That's cool. Okay. Is this what you were doing over there that whole time? <laughs> he wanted he, he wanted to bring his own. <laughs> okay. Uh, is it okay? Yeah. Please. Yes. Okay. Lois Lane. Mm-hmm. Vicky Vale. Who's Vicky Vale? She was Kim Basinger, Basinger in the Batman. Ba- oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And April O'Neil. Which one from, is April? She's um, from the Teenage Mutant Ninja, Ninja Turtles. Megan Fox played her in the oh. in the recent. She doesn't look like Megan Fox. She looks like a cartoon yeah, with red will. hair. Yeah. Yeah. All Aprils have red hair in the cartoons, right? Right. right. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm gonna. That Megan Fox tidbit really pushed me over the edge. <laughs> you stacked the deck. I um. You know what? I don't have strong feelings. But... I say Mary April O'Neil. I loved her when I was a kid. Uh, I didn't. I wasn't a Ninja Turtles watcher. Well, I was watcher. big into Ninja Turtles okay. when I was a kid. Fair. Um. 
And then probably, uh, well, who was the first one? Lois Lane. Oh, definitely shag Lois Lane. And kill Kim Basinger. No, switch those two. Kim probably knows what's up. Lois is pretty helpless. Yeah. I get, well. Is Lois helpless or is that just in my mind he's always carrying her around? I know. I think it's because he has to carry her a lot. But she gets into scrapes. Oh, you know. okay. I respect that. Um, I think I'm going to kill April only because I, I have no. Me, yeah. I don't know. I don't know her. Um, uh, Mary Lois. Because okay. uh, I feel like, you know what? She was a strong woman working her way up in a true, career. True. And uh, in the um, 1950s. Knew how to work her connections. True. And uh, we then, I guess, will shag Vicki Vale. Um, Pat, we know you asked us this question merely so that you could right. weigh in on it. Please, so please, bring us home. Uh, okay. I guess I would... Um, <laughs> You're like, shag no, all them. No. <laughs> this time. I just didn't know how to answer the last one. Okay. No, it's so fair. I no, just we're down for this. Yeah. We're down. Okay. Tell us your You're answers. great. We want to know your um, answers. Shag Vicky Vale. Mm. Okay. Marry April O'Neil. And I guess I would kill Lois Lane. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. What was your decision-making process on the Lois versus Vicky? Well, I think because you said, one of you guys said that Superman was always carrying Lois. Yes. So it's like, yeah, I don't want to, yeah. you know, carry her around. That sounds like a lot of work, right, Pat? Right. It does, yeah. Absolutely. And then <laughs> Vicky, when you said Kim Basinger played her, mm-hmm. Kim Basinger was, and you know. Well, she's Kim Basinger. She's Fair. Kim Basinger, Fair. yes. <laughs> and, and right, from, um, what was that, the one movie? Nine and a half weeks. Nine and a half weeks. Yeah. She might have been a, you know. I she, had to turn that movie shot. off because I found it, like, distressing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's what passed for erotica before we had the internet. Right. It was mainly just threatening. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, okay. Okay. We'll have, we'll have, we'll, a, we'll have we'll another. We'll put a pin on that. <laughs> we'll have another discussion about that on a different quickie. <laughs> uh, but I think those are all good reasons, and we've made some very hard choices here today, people. We've done hard. We've done good work. So I think it's time to wrap it up. Uh, thanks again to our guest, Laura Griffin, the New York Times bestselling author of the Tracer series and the Alpha Crew series. Cover of Night is on sale now. It is an ebook original. And uh, then look for her next Tracer's book, Touch of Red, that will be coming out in November. And uh, other than that, pop by the site. Rate us on iTunes. Uh, we would love some ratings and reviews to help more people find us. Um, and other than that, we hope you, that you find all of the heroes of your wildest dreams, <laughs> especially if they are yourselves. Aww. Until next time, remember, please, that the best conversations happen, happen after, after dark. dark.